I'm Savannah. And I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. We're just jumping right into it. I mean, hey, it's so Christmassy in here, you guys. So we're recording this like the very first week of December. And I walked in and Alicia and her kids have completely Christmas-fied the studio. Christmas-fied. And I'm so excited. We already posted some stuff, but I think I'm probably going to make more posts mm-hmm. for later. I'm so excited. It's very festive. Yes. Well, we need some festiveness in this room. We do, considering the things that we talk about in here. Who doesn't like a little Christmas with their murder? (laughs) Can I put that on a t-shirt? It's a good (laughs) shirt. Yeah. All right. All right. Are we ready? I don't think. think, Yeah. yeah, No business. We're jumping right on in. We're going to jump in. Um, Actually, we do have business. This is the episode before our episode comes out with Running Scared with Coach Coach Christine. Before or? Yeah, before, because this is coming out on the 15th and hers is like over before Christmas. Oh, and we break. That's right. Christmas. She she posts uh, Mondays, Thursdays, Thursdays, or Mondays, or Monday. We don't know what what is happening over here, but we do know that we <laughs> recorded a session with Coach Christine. Yes, running scared, and we talked about another Christmassy case, um, Ken and Barbie Killers. Yes, which I'm sure you have all listened to previously that we covered when we launched. If you haven't, go back. Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> We worked very hard on it, and um, Christine asked if we would come on and talk about it, and we did, mm-hmm. and it's so much fun, and you guys should go check it out. And I love her part. I love – I never would have thought yeah. to put true crime and running together. Ever, like but that. it works really and well. the first time – when she first contacted us, and I, and I saw her podcast, and I thought, how does that work? But I love how she does it. Yeah, it's, it's a structured really cool. running podcast, so like – She'll structure the workout and then talk to you. We'll talk to you about the crime as you run or as you walk or as you lift weights or whatever. You can yeah. pretty much modify it to however. It's really nice. I rode to it on my nice. rower. Yeah, it was nice. Nice, nice, nice. So that's our business before we get into our case today. Yeah, I think that's it. All righty. So are you ready? I am buckled up. All right. Close your eyes. Okay. We're going back in time. To 2017. <laughs> so far back. So far away. Um, it was similar to this time of year, actually. December 25th, a landlord in Oshawa, Canada, received a call from their downstairs tenant that he had a clogged toilet and he needed a snake to clear the drain, but he didn't have one. So she said, okay, well, I'm busy. It's Christmas. So yeah. um, I'll give you the money. Go buy one. So he does. On December 28th, the upstairs neighbors returned home from where they were traveling for Christmas, visiting family, and they called a plumber because they their unit was stopped up. They were not having any, like, they were having water problems. Yeah. So the landlord said, well, the downstairs guy was to call a plumber. I don't like where this is headed. Oh, yeah. No, you should already. You shouldn't. Like, oh. You shouldn't. It's bad. So- and, and, <laughs> and might I say, God bless plumbers. Yeah, my uh yeah, one of my best friends is a plumber and I told him this story and he was scared. So <laughs> Oh no. Yeah. So we'll we'll just say a little prayer that he never has to take a call like that. Well <laughs> so these plumbers, these poor guys, I'm sure, were just coming off the holidays with their families and they were like, It's really cold because it's Canada. Yes. It was negative 
four degrees Fahrenheit, and I'm not sure what that is in Celsius, which is bad. I think it's it's negative thirty something. I think. Anyway, yeah, freaking cold, and I'm sure they didn't want to be doing all this work, but they showed up. And they quickly realized that the blockage was actually coming from the lower unit because of the way that the piping was. It had mm-hmm. to have been coming from below. Yeah. So they receive permission from the landlord and they go and they knock on the door of the downstairs unit and they find a 45-year-old man who was trying to unblock it himself, which is the lower tenant. Right. He comes in. They go, they go inside and they realize that he had taken the whole toilet off and he was trying to push the blockage along with an inflated condom that he had weighted down. <laughs> What? I mean, you can't fix stupid. I really can't. I can't. I'm I mean, not a plumber, but... Well, it's tubular. So you blow it up and it's tubular. And then they we weighted <laughs> it down on the front end. So he's thinking it'll just push it along. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I can't really fix that for you. It's, <laughs> it's pretty stupid. But it's not... Oh, boy. It's. I told my boyfriend that. And he was like, it's not the worst way, I guess. But it's definitely not the best. No. And then the guy who is is a plumber said that at least he didn't try and just flush a bunch of baby wipes thinking it would push it because that would be worse. Well, yeah. And you're just creating more more blockage. So he said it could have been worse. They quickly pushed him aside and was like, we'll just use our like industrial snake thing. It'll take us five minutes to clear it, whatever. So they started using their, their big boy tools to clear the pipe. They started pulling some weird stuff out of the drain. It was red or pink, and some of it had hair, Hmm. and it just kept coming. Oh, my God. They pulled about 10 to 15 pounds out of the pipes. One of the plumbers was a recreational hunter, and he was like, oh, this ain't right. This is so not right. So they called their boss and a more experienced coworker, and basically none of them could put their finger on what it would have been if it was something that should have been down a pipe. Yes. They were like, yeah, no, we don't know what that is. <laughs> so they called their boss and their boss was like, yeah, bag that up and head out of there. And Yeah. Yeah. Before you end up in the toilet, too. Specifically because the tenant from the downstairs unit stood behind them the entire time saying, whoa. What do you think that is? And like making really weird comments. I got- and even followed them upstairs when they went back upstairs to the upstairs unit for something. What? And was just being really strange. So that hunting plumber basically told his his buddy was like, hey, we got to we got to go. So they packed up the 15 pounds of debris. They said, nope, that they they did. And they said, oh, well, we'll, we'll be back tomorrow to finish the job. We got to go get a part. We got to go. <laughs> We gotta go. Um, a new, a bigger snake. Yeah, we need a we need a larger tool. And then they they left, and then this phone call was made. Communications. I'm a plumber, and I'm on site for uh, uh, a job. And we got uh, we're we're snaking a drain, and we were uh, we've been pulling back. Uh, we probably pulled back about ten pounds, fifteen pounds of like it looks like flesh type of stuff meat and i don't we don't know what it is oh my god (laughs) so uh what can you imagine making that phone call i can't (laughs) imagine any of it i don't know how they remained so calm and i think because they weren't thinking it was human yeah but but then the hair but the hair i don't i don't know and Oh, 
my God. Yeah. So the police showed up and they knocked on the downstairs unit and out walked 45-year-old Adam Strong. Instead of acknowledging the request of the officers to come inside, he stepped outside in the below zero weather and threw up his hands and said, you got me. The jig is up. It's a body. Well, I mean, yep. The police were probably like, "Well, thanks." Yeah, I just made our job easier. Mm, but did he? And so the police uh, used two sets of handcuffs to put him in the back of the car because he was quite a large man. Okay. And yeah, so the first thing that I do in cases, and you know this, and our listeners know this, is that I have to see what these people look like. Yeah. And I know that you don't necessarily feel that urge. I I don't because I. Feel like if I look at the pictures before knowing the full story, I have a tendency to create like what I think they look like. Or if you do, if you tell me the story, I kind of said that backwards. Sorry. Yeah. If you tell me the story, I kind of like can create yeah. that character in my mind, and then and then not have any preconceived notions okay. about. I see. Whatever. But if I look at the pictures first, then I tend to be like, no, they look like this. Like I, I do. Okay. I admit it. Like, well, I, you, I'm kinda... but you do the right thing, and you don't. You, you, yeah. you avoid it to do that. So I, I purposely avoid it because I'd rather like come up with a character and then in my head what they might look like, and then after knowing the story, seeing the pictures, and going, well, that's not really what I had. Or sometimes it is. Sometimes it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, this is exactly what you think. Oh. Um, So I'm going to show you, and then you're going to understand, because I just feel like... Oh, boy. Oh. (laughs) This isn't even the picture I wanted to show you. I wanted to show you his mugshot, but it wasn't coming up fast enough, so this is what you get for now. The iPad or the tablet. Uh, Selfie. um, Yeah. Okay. So this is Adam Strong. He doesn't look like an Adam. No, Adam should be hot. You know how I feel about well, some names. I, yeah. Some names are hot names, and Adam yeah. is a hot name, and he's not hot at, at all. Well. The, no, yeah. No. So. He's kind of, like, I expect, like, a Cheeto stain down the front of his shirt. Is there one? <laughs> he's just generally a dirty person. Like, like, it's not. Yeah. He just looks dirty. The court drawing of him is really good. Okay. Did they add the Cheeto stain? <laughs> they did it. But, like, when he's arrested, he's wearing, like, dirty clothes, and he just... He's got really long hair, too, which is, uh, yeah. So I just thought you should have that picture for this case. Because yeah. I think it the the gross factor, the ick in this case, is just all around. Well, and sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So once the police had him in their custody, they had a hard time keeping him from talking. And so I know that That's a lot of people shocking. are like, why, why would they want to keep him from talking? Because they told him, like, don't say anything. Stop. Yeah, because they don't want to be accused of not. Yes. So they were worried about the admissibility of anything that he said. Right. Which I thought was weird. So I did a little bit of more research and I asked um, Michelle, my attorney, shout out, babes, to um, help me because I was kind of struggling to find it. And yeah. we came up with, like, she, she helped me. She pulled through. Basically, Canada has a different, more strict policy when it comes to confessions and their admissibility. Uh, yeah. 
So I was thinking they had read his Miranda rights. Well, I don't know if they're called Miranda rights in Canada, but they'd read him his rights. He was in custody. He had said it was a body. Everything points to anything he says should be admissible. And I feel like in the United States, if he said it's a body and they put him in custody, he was like, blah, 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 blah. They they would admit everything he said, most likely. Yeah. Because they hadn't treated him badly. And he even says this several different times that they were very nice to him. Yeah. But Canada, the ruling is a little different. Now, I'm going to just read a quote from a article I read about the Canadian confession ruling because I think it explains it better than I could. Okay. Quote, the confession rule provides that any out-of-court statement made by the accused person to a person in authority is inadmissible against the accused unless the prosecution proves beyond a reasonable doubt that that statement was voluntary. Police officers are paradigmatic persons in authority and that and the rule operates primarily to set common law limits on police investigation or interrogation. Right. So, so they want his attorney there and then if he wants to confess under mm-hmm. you know, witness of his attorney mm-hmm. then because how cool. is because how is the prosecution going to prove beyond right. reasonable doubt that that was not they can't. Yeah. So, it's an interesting rule that they have and from what I can tell, it comes from police in Canada doing like Mr. Big or undercover operations and getting confessions from people through that situation. Yeah. And it it's also there to avoid any police misconduct from affecting confessions. But there seems to be pretty mixed opinions about the effectiveness of the rule. Some people seem to think that it has caused police work in Canada to kind of go backwards, that they don't feel like they can go as far as they need to go to right. get information. I think it's fascinating because that's not a rule that we have here. I mean, yeah, you know, admissibility is a big question when it comes to criminal cases in the United States. It's a lot more complicated than this. This is pretty blanket. Yeah. So and if you Google admissibility information for Canada or you look for anything, all it says is it has to be relevant. There's no like, you know, in in the United States, we have like four points of admissibility kind of Mm -hmm. thing. There's a lot of little guidelines. It's pretty blanket over there, which is really interesting to me. I think it's mostly judge determined. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the many topics or areas of criminal law that I think there's no way to get it just so because it's so case by case. Case by case. It's so, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so dependent on how those police officers or investigators are handling it. Mm -hmm. Because if there's those that would go too far, there's those that coerce, there's those that are going to take advantage of their freedoms to push more for more information, and then there's those that do it properly. So how do you make a rule about any of it without it? Exactly. There's going to be flaws. No matter what. And the only thing that I think it negatively impacted in this case is that at the end of this, we never get a full confession. And he was going to confess. Yeah. So I don't want to spoil how the trial ends up, but I think that's the only thing that this, the way that they have it set up affected in this particular case. Yeah. So I have one question. Yes. I may or may not have an answer. So based on the look of Adam there. Yes. And... The plumbing techniques he's choosing to use. It would be easy to assume that the reason he's just like, oh, you caught me, you know, is because he's not very smart. But then I question it, like knowing the 
law and knowing the inadmissibility, did he start to do that because he was hoping that then it wouldn't be admissible? No, I d- no. That's he that's did. thinking too much. Okay. I tend to do that. I don't well, yes, cuz you you have brains. Um <laughs> I don't think that this guy was very smart at all to be honest with you. He was yeah. incredibly lucky up until this point. Okay. And um he thinks he's smart. Well, yeah. I mean, don't they all? Yeah. And we'll see a little bit of that later when he's being interrogated. He thinks he's so smart. He thinks he's got it under control. Let me tell you what, bud. Well, that's what I don't. mean. Like, did he know did he know that about inadmissibility? And like that was his game was Oh, I think if I tell them I don't this. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just just a thought. Who knows? Maybe. So he wasn't they told him not to talk. He had kind of shut up. But then a few minutes later he said something that kind of changed the entire rate of the investigation. He said, if you want the rest of her, she's in the freezer. She's mainly defleshed. And we know that's the word he used because he corrected the guy making notes. (laughs) Yeah. Icky. Icky. Ew, icky. Oh. So they entered Adam's apartment and they found a sparkly, clean, organized home. No way. <laughs> no, it was a disgusting <laughs> pigsty. It was horrible. He lived in trash. He never took his trash out. Other landlords that he had had before would say the same thing. He never cleaned. He never took his trash out. He just left it there to rot. Uh, it was horrible. The man had never seen a scrub daddy in his life. <laughs> oh, gross. Yes. So the, taking the scene in, the investigators were like, holy crap. But then the more that they looked, the more that they saw. Yeah. There were bloody running shoes in a plastic bag, blood and DNA spatter on the walls. There were boxes upon boxes of sex toys and generally just a nightmare zone of an apartment. They found this yellow, gross freezer in his bedroom. (laughs) I have to take a minute. (laughs) And then when they opened it, knowing what they were going to find, that he had told them she's in the freezer. Right. Yeah, but still, there's yeah. nothing that can prepare you for that. Yeah, they found um, they did they found quite a bit of a body, and it and it was mostly defleshed. They found five garbage bags. One had a raccoon. Random. The second had two femurs and two arms that had been defleshed till the hands. The third had two lower legs defleshed until the feet. The fourth bag had a pelvis, and the fifth bag contained the head and neck of a young woman with a distinct tattoo that said alive, and the torso was not there. It was missing. Kind of. In September of that year, two fishermen were casting lines in Lake Ontario when they pulled out what they thought was a turkey or a chicken, but um, like with the, when they looked a little closer, they realized it was a woman's torso, but all the internal organs had been removed. Ugh. I want to crawl out of my skin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's no skin left here. So. No. Yeah. Gross. And I also just want to draw attention to the fact that they found the torso in September and this is December. So. Yes. The tattoo that said alive on the neck was recognized by a police officer who had been keeping an eye on a young woman named Rory Hatch or Hatch. I think it's Hatch. She hadn't been seen for a while. She had been reported missing in August, and in September, when that torso was found, it had been tested and proven to be Rory's. So they did know that she had passed away, but they had only found her torso. Yeah. They had just found the rest of her. Hmm. 
Rory was a troubled teen who had recently tried to turn her life around. She was an addict who used sex work to support her habit. Recently, though, Rory was rumored to have been pregnant with her boyfriend's baby, and she was normally transient and never really stayed in one place, but they had gotten an apartment, according to some people, and some people said she was living at home, and she was more stable. She was incredibly loved by her family, and they knew she was missing right away. Yeah. She may have appeared vulnerable, and she was vulnerable, but she was not somebody who went missing quietly. People right. knew she was gone. Yeah. So they were obviously devastated when they found her torso in September and then to find out the rest of it. They were her mom, I think, was relieved to have the rest of her so that they could kind of bring her home. But it's still hard. Of course. And especially in the way that they found her. Yeah. So let's get into Adam Strong. He was born on September 29th and that makes him a Libra, which is kind of weird. Killers aren't typically Libras. Anyway. He recalls being neglected as a kid and abused by a female babysitter. Baby, babysitter. What is wrong with me? I can't talk. Um, and he says that because of this abuse by the babysitter, he started having violent fantasies by the age of seven. He said that's when he started to kill small animals and eventually figured out that his favorites to kill were woodpeckers. Why? I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, why should I be shocked that? This dude said something weird, but <laughs> literally. Um, he worked random jobs as a security guard or at gas stations in Oshawa. And most of the time that he wasn't working, he spent in his filthy apartment watching violent pornography or snuff films or anything gory. Adam's online presence kind of speaks to who he was. Um, he's like a textbook incel. Like he just hates women. He lamented online about his struggles finding um, women or meeting women as a sex freak. That's what he called himself was a sex freak. Can can sorry to interrupt, but this drives me crazy when I hear stories like this, and then they're like, "Oh, and his online they were," you know. Let's be real. I know that you love conspiracy theories like this of like Big Brother's watching kind of stuff. Can y'all start watching these psychos? Seriously, like, seriously, how could he post all of this stuff on Facebook and like weird, weird crap? But then um, if a girl wears a spaghetti top, spaghetti strap tank top on TikTok, she gets banned. Yeah. We're watching the wrong thing. Yeah. We should be looking at the guy who's posting weird comments on BDSM cartoons or talking yes. about how he had to special order equipment because the regular stuff was too easy to escape from. Yeah. That was something that workers in sex stores re- like recalled him saying. That the regular stuff, the commercial stuff, was too easy to escape from. Like, bud, that's the point. Like, all, of that's, be- all of that's fine and dandy as long as there's consent on both sides. And if she wants to leave, she should be able to. But not according to Adam. Yeah. I just... Oh, my gosh. Okay. So. So. No. Adam's ex-girlfriends would paint a picture of how their sex life would escalate. Many of his partners, either girlfriends or sex workers, would state that they started off consensual knowing the kind of sex that he was into until over time. Wait, he had girlfriends? Several. Yeah, (laughs) several. Okay. Um, Ladies, know your worth. (laughs) Never, ever, (laughs) ever. Okay. You are beautiful. (laughs) Know your worth. 
And um, they would say that over time, it just got more intense, more violent, and very dangerous. Eventually, the need for consent from Adam or like on his, like it never existed to him. He didn't need it. And then they would leave. His ex-girlfriend said that there was never a time that she can remember that Adam could finish without the need to strangle her or choke her until unconsciousness. He even started just choking her randomly in their everyday lives, like coming up behind her, washing the dishes and strangling her until she passed out. She left him in 2016 and is still alive and has made statements, but investigators found evidence that, that there was a worse incident that she hasn't mentioned. While they were looking through his apartment, they found an air mattresses. They think there were two, but may one main one in the apartment that he was sleeping on. He didn't have a real mattress for some reason. Hmm. Um, they were... Because air mattresses are cheaper, so you can <laughs> replace them when there's blood. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, and they're also normally, like, you could just rinse them off, I guess. Yeah, some of them, yeah. especially the ones for, like, camping and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But they were covered in blood, and when it got tested, it came out to be partially Rory and partially um, a significant amount of blood from the ex-girlfriend. An investigator said that there was, quote, a significant bloodletting event here for her. So that's not good. And so there, these mattresses were covered in blood, and half of it was Rory, and half of it was the other girl. No. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I don't want to say things. <laughs> but you can't. I'm talking with my hands. Yes. I know you can't see me. Um, But I don't want any of it to come out as, like, victim shaming. But, like, because I get it. Like, you're... Yeah, and a, she left. I mean, she... Yeah. You know, but it. what are you going to do? You don't know until it's too late, you know? Yeah. So they they kept doing some digging and they found another set of DNA in the home that didn't match Rory or the ex-girlfriend. Shocking. Investigators found a specialty knife with a curved blade that was used for gutting and skinning animals when hunting. On the knife, they found DNA not from blood, but from leftover tissue-like material. (sighs) This DNA matched Candace Fitzpatrick. She was a 19-year-old girl who went missing nearly 10 years prior. She was very similar to Rory. They looked really similar in the face. They were petite teen brunettes, and they were vulnerable people. Her parents had never stopped looking for her, and she was very loved. Adam had hired his fair of sex workers over the years and had a habit of filming his escapades without the knowledge of the, the women. He would sometimes show these to his friends or coworkers, and one of his friends recalls feeling disturbed by the age of some of the girls in the video. He said that she looked like a teenager, and that's not something he wanted to see, he said. Why didn't you say anything to anyone? Yeah. See something? Say something. That is drilled into kids' heads these days, and I hope it translates into their adult life, because say something to somebody. I just watched that Netflix documentary on uh what's her name Ghislaine Maxwell oh Ghislaine Maxwell yeah oh those people they she had friends that knew Mm -hmm. she had friends that knew how screwed up she was Mm -hmm. and that they and the one lady says when being interviewed well if I had known the ages I didn't know like she knew that crap like that was going on she just thought that they were of age but if she had known they were teenagers she would have reported it why wouldn't you report it even if they're not teenagers? 
what because somebody's 18 suddenly that makes it okay i i can't be a tattletale yeah when it comes to stuff like that seriously so that it really bothered me that he didn't say anything but i guess go off do what you want um but these videos do help identify adam's preferred type young vulnerable brunettes and rory and candace both fit that bill yeah so it was really easy for them to see, okay, well, DNA, she looks like Rory. Yes. If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck. Or platypus. Or her platypus. But not likely. Probably not. They're really rare. <laughs> it's true. Egg-laying mammals of action. Are they in Canada? <laughs> like, I don't... I just started... Hey, Siri. I don't know if they're in Canada. <laughs> um, so Adam was at first being charged Wait. with... Maybe it was a goose. I a, guess. A Canadian goose and not a duck. I'm just saying. Sorry. Not a goose. Okay. Where was I? So. <laughs> Adam was being charged with indecency to a human body. They really didn't want to overcharge him before they had everything in place. Yeah. Um, so they sat down to interview him before his bond hearing on December 30th. They only had 24 hours before they had to finish the interview because they, after that bond hearing, they would have to request, they would have to be approved to interview him again. Right. So this time, his willingness to talk about his crimes had kind of faded away. This was before they knew about Candace. I should clarify. They had found the knife, but this was before they knew for sure right. that it belonged to her and she was a missing person. Okay. Right. So that's why they were only charging her or charging him with indecency to a human body. Yeah. Okay. He had gotten legal counsel and was advised to shut up. The only thing that he did mention, however, was that there was a pipe bomb in his apartment. And he said, I don't want anybody to get hurt. <laughs> I made this bomb, but I don't want anybody to get hurt. Yeah. So this is a good example of Adam's kind of strange behavior with police and investigators. At the time of his arrest, like I said, he told them, oh, like, I'm grateful that they were very nice to me. They were very polite and thank you. Like, he expected them to right. not be, which they shouldn't have been, but I get why they were. Yeah. And later he said that he didn't want them to get hurt by the bomb. And then eventually at another inter interview, he talks about how well he's being treated in prison. So... I personally, this is my theory, I think that because he had worked security and he's a man with an ego, he looks at police like equals and like, oh, we're friends. Like, we're buddies. Thanks for being so nice. And like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And we're we're friends. We can talk about this kind of thing. I don't want to insult people who work at Home Depot and Lowe's and stuff because I know not all of them do this, but I've met a couple people who worked at Home Depot or Lowe's and they'll talk as if they're contractors yeah, yeah. like they talk as if they have uh, yeah it's similar. they have the exactly. same knowledge yeah. as the people out there building houses and exactly like, so no i think that's completely fair yeah um that's my personal theory because the way he talks to the interviewers later down the road like he's way too comfortable so i think he's yeah. created some sort of relationship that just does not exist and he thinks that they're buddy buddy yeah he's like i don't want you guys to get hurt you're my friends like no <laughs> So, obviously, they evacuate the street. A bomb team goes in, dismantles the bomb, and the investigation is back on track. Adam was not talking, and he didn't talk until 11 months after his initial interview. In the meantime, they waited for the ground to thaw so that they could get into the pipes and get the rest of Rory's remains, which is just so gruesome to me that, like, 
the port she's sitting yeah. there and just waiting on it to not be freezing. That's so sad to me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And in the meantime, between then and now, they they find out about Candace. And so at the time of his second interview, Adam is being charged with two counts of first degree murder, one for Rory and one for Candace. Right. He tells them that he's surprised at how well he's being treated in prison. He kind of laments about some of the things that were not up to his standards, and he cracks plenty of jokes. They interviewed him for 11 hours. I say they. It was one detective, and he did a really good job. I watched a couple things where he was like, it was hard because he's really horrible, and I was having to be calm. And Yeah. He handled it well, and um, yeah. So Adam wanted to know from the police how much of the remains they were able to recover. And he was really nonchalant, and it was really bothering me. He spent time bragging about how great of an idea it was to flush the flush down the toilet, and that he only got caught because of bad luck. It didn't work, Adam. <laughs> yeah. So clearly not a good idea. <laughs> Apparently not, unless... It's just bad luck. Maybe he had done it before, and it did work. Oh, yeah. So he's thinking, this time it was just bad luck. But otherwise, it's a good idea. According to him. So they get some information during this interview. Number one. He admits that he started deflushing Rory's body on Christmas Eve, the 24th. Um, and that he had to defrost her several different times in a hot tub or in a hot water. In, in hot water in his bathtub. I cannot talk. Because remember, she's been missing since August. And she, we know for sure she was dead by September. And it is now December, the end of December. So she's been frozen yeah. since at least, at the very least, September. But probably since August. All right. And this is when you kind of see what you were talking about earlier, Adam thinking that he's smart. Yeah. Because he thought he was really getting pulling one over on him by only talking about the dismemberment and disposal, thinking, well, they already have me for that. I'm really just on trial to prove that I killed her or how I killed her. But me talking about, like, dismembering her and, like, getting rid of her and everything, that they already know. That's fine. <laughs> and he's not wrong. They did know that. And I that just isn't... stumbled across this body and, and I decided I thought, to take it home yeah, and freeze it exactly. and then dismember it. What's wrong with that? So, yeah, that's kind of, you know, anyway. He thought that he was being slick and like, well, what is this going to get you? You already know this. But no, him talking so brazenly about the dismissal and the dismemberment was giving the judge the opportunity to infer how he got to that point. Yeah. You're giving them 12 hours of footage that the judge has to watch because if they want it to be admissible, the judge mm -hmm. had to watch the whole 12 hours and determine whether or not it was okay if he had right. been coerced, if his condition was bad, if there was anything about it that was horrible. And remind you, Adam spent about five to ten minutes telling him how happy he was that he was being treated so well. Yeah. There was no reason. There was literally nothing in the 12 hours that even could have led to it being inadmissible. But the judge had to watch it. Yeah. So he killed himself to me in that interview where he's just being so, like, cocky and brazen about the whole thing. And the judge is like, watching that thinking oh my god this guy's a monster obviously he killed them yes so when they go to leave 
the detective thanks him for sticking out the 11-hour to 12-hour interview. And he said, well, I didn't have a choice. And the investigator said, no, but... And then Adam kind of cuts in and says, well, I probably said more than I should have. And the investigator just says, yeah, probably. (laughs) But thank you for your time. Yeah. So you can watch a lot of the interview on the internet. I'll touch on the things that were important, though, as we continue. Okay. Like I said, the judge had to watch the entire thing to make it ruled admissible, and he did. And on March 16th, Adam's conviction was read. But his trial had dragged on for a very, very long time. Because Adam's an asshole. Well, I mean, we already know that. Yeah. He was being tried during COVID. Ah, yes. During the pandemic. And so if he didn't want to go into court that day, he would just say he didn't feel good. Even though it was on video, he just said, I don't feel good. And he would refuse to leave his cell because he was sick. The families of the victims had to prepare themselves for court 36 times. Oh, my God. It took 36 hearings and and part of the pieces of the trial to get to this point. But on the 16th, Adam was convicted of first-degree murder for the charge for Rory and manslaughter for Candace. The reason that Rory got first-degree was because he had killed her during rape. They had figured that much out, right, based okay. off of the blood on the mattress and stories from everybody else and knowing that she had been dead fairly recently after she went missing. Yeah. The aggravating factor of it being during rape or during sex was what made it first-degree murder. Right. Candace. They didn't have a body. Yeah. All that they had was DNA and proof that basically he had wrongfully caused her death. So that's why he got a manslaughter charge. Okay. So Adam will never get out of jail. And for that, the families are thankful. Rory's mom said that the important thing was that the predator was off the streets because he was blending in. He only lived like a block away from a police station. And he was doing this that close. He was essentially flying under the radar Yeah, here. And the reality is, if he hadn't, if he had slowed down when he was flushing the flesh down the toilet, yeah, he wouldn't have gotten caught. Probably. Or if he had boiled the evidence. Because, remind you, there was evidence all over his apartment. There was yeah. knives. There was a, a bent hammer with blood on it. Like, there was stuff everywhere. And he just hadn't gotten rid of it. And his reasoning was procrastination. He said, I just didn't get around to it. I didn't want to do it. And when he was asked, well, why were you procrastinating so much? He said, well, because it's not necessarily a fun task. Like, it's not something he wanted to do. So. I don't like cleaning up my toys, mom. (laughs) Literally. Ugh. So he just, he was living with the evidence in his house. Yeah. And he was, he wasn't smart. A smart person wouldn't have evidence laying around their house. No. Right? So he it was just bizarre that he was just getting away. He was just the man was just floating around. It was just I I have no I hate words. to say it, but people like that get away with stuff for as long as they do because honestly Nobody's looking at them. Nobody yeah. Like we society tends to ignore them. They're like kinda like, You're weird, you're gross, you're just the weird guy. Yeah. Like you probably just sit around most of your day watching porn. Eating Cheetos. Eating Cheetos. I like Cheetos as much as the next guy, <laughs> but like, come on. 
But do you wipe it on your shirt? No. That's the, that's the key. That's the... My dog licks my finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a dog, so... No. Thank God. Um. Yeah. So I think that people like that get away with stuff as long as they do because people see that they're weird and they're dirty and they're whatever, but that we we underestimate those people. Mm-hmm. We think, like, you're just weird. When he was quiet, like, I mean, he was loud on social media, but he wasn't bragging about killing people. He was just bragging about having sex with them. Yeah. So Rory's mom was disappointed for Candace's family, but she was really pleased with the verdict for Rory. He had gotten the maximum sentence he could possibly have gotten for both of them. Yeah. The judge knew that, like, this sucks, but that's all I can charge him with, basically. Yeah. Or convict him of. He did not have a jury trial. He chose to just be tried in front of the judge, so. Okay. And he did not testify. Well, smart. He said enough Yeah. <laughs> in his interview. At least I don't think he testified. Now I'm second-guessing myself. Oh, well. Whoopsies, if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, in early 2022, February-ish, Adam Strong went to investigators and told them where Candace was. And then he showed them wow her remains were found over a period of two or three days she was in a field basically like in in nature and they were buried just like he just left her there i don't remember they found her and she was able to be brought home to her family and they were very happy they were she she had been missing for 10 years so they they pretty much knew she was dead right candace so when i say they were happy that they found her they were just relieved that they had her body and that they could bury her properly closure exactly she said it was a rush of emotions just like when they they found the dna in the house it was like reliving that all over again so the other thing is like i couldn't find anything if he did this for leverage or if they if he said, well, I'll do this for for something, like for more food or something. Like, I don't <laughs> like, I don't know. He just... Some more food. Can I get I, my Cheetos? <laughs> uh, can you bring me some Burger King? I'd love a Whopper <laughs> right now. And, uh, yeah. From what I can tell, he just, just randomly decided to tell them. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. So, two things to kind of okay. wrap this up. Well, a third thing, but... One... Do you think that these were his only two victims? Because a 10-year gap between Candace and Rory... Is unlikely. Very long. Yeah. And when asked about this in that 11-hour interview, the investigator said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that there were just two. Yeah. And he said, have at her. Go find them. That's what he said. Yeah. So um, well, the only thing that makes me think that no is that he was so sloppy with Candace's DNA and Rory's DNA was everywhere. Yeah, you know what would have made the the what would have made the first one and the last one be different than the ones in between. That's the only thing that makes me think like it wasn't there weren't more than two. I can th- yeah I could see that. I could also see that if Candace was his first, because they basically found her DNA on the knife, right? Mm-hmm. That he kept that as like a memento oh so you're saying that the dna could be like a trophy yes and then there could have been other victims that you know he, he just he, he's not one to like keep or just because it gets lost in the garbage yeah. and whatever but I, I could see it either way honestly yeah because yeah it is not just statistically speaking 
people who start out by having all these violent things as a child and they start killing animals and then they no. if anything their killings like escalate yeah. like there might be several years between may i mean so maybe that's possible so I, it's maybe possible that he kept it under control for 10 years and that after rory he would have picked up yeah who like knows? it would have gotten worse but who knows well, he just seemed really confident. And then he even says later, like, I think his words were it felt natural when he was dismembering somebody like to go with the joints. Like he didn't think about it. It just felt like what he needed to do. Like his confidence <laughs> and his ego make me think that like this may not have been the only two. Yeah. I don't know. So. Yeah, that I, I really I don't even know what to think. In the words of my child. Stop. Ah. My legs are going to fall off. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, who said that? The snarky one. When she was little, when she was like two and a half or three, I just, I remember we were driving and I don't, you know, I used to be in the medical field too. So I was talking about something. One of the other girls asked a question about something medical related and I was an- trying to answer on a level that they would understand, but at the same time, I'm trying to be very yeah. truthful. And and okay, so this we're talking about like body parts and stuff. And she, I hear her; she was sitting in the far back of the van, and I hear a little voice: "Stop! My legs are gonna fall off. <laughs> You're gonna steal that." <laughs> because so we still bring it up today when she starts looking real cringy, depending yeah. on the topic. We all like look at her off. and go, "Are your legs gonna fall off?" <laughs> She's like, "Stop it!" No, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So, so the other thing that I want to mention is that I have a really close friend. One of my best friends lives in Oshawa. Yes, really close to where the like really close to his house. Oh, and. She knew people who were friends with Rory and went to school with Rory, and oh, wow. they all said that she was a really nice person and that they, she knew people who were very affected yeah. by Rory's loss. But there are some rumors in Oshawa about Adam. Oh, boy. Number one, a lot of people do think that he killed more people. Yeah. Specifically missing people in Oshawa. And this last theory that she'd mentioned to me is pretty gross. I'm just warning you right now. But Adam was seen serving people, homeless people, like some sort of stew-like thing. No. Close to after Rory had been killed. And so some people think. Oh, no. Oh. That's like a whole nother level. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, Adam, if you want to pull a Jeffrey Dahmer. Just do it to yourself. And eat your own victims. Like, yeah. gross. And again, it's just a rumor. I don't know if it's true. But don't be handing that stuff out to other people. Yeah. Especially homeless people. Especially that, homeless people. Like, they're not going to turn away food. Yeah. Oh. So I plan on going to Oshawa sometime next year to visit her. And it'll be really weird to- <laughs> knowing that this is where Adam Strong was. The very last thing I want to mention before we kind of sign off here today is that if you are wondering why I didn't mention actually how he killed Rory or any sort of speculation about how he killed the girls, I would highly recommend you go listen to Buried Motives 
podcast, yes. their episode on it. Buried motives. That's how you say it. Um, <laughs> it's episode 50. It's I think that they did an excellent job and they delivered a lot of the gory or the sex related information that I skipped out on. Yeah. Um, I'm all for giving all the details, but at the same time, I didn't want to. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't. I feel like well, you got a gist yeah. of the case without me saying that. But they deliver the information really eloquently and they're very well researched. And I highly recommend their episode on Adam if you want more of the gruesome details. Details, yeah. I so. think everybody's a little different. Yeah, find we, your level. We shoot to try and not like trigger people every single episode. Yeah. And I mean, I, I find my line and yeah. this is where that was today and I it I think that the way that they did it in their episode was really well done. Yeah. She I they just have a, a way of saying it that it's it's easier to digest. So Yeah. I recommend that. It was good. Very good. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me on this journey. It was gross, but here we are. Thanks for the gross journey. Now You're it's time so for welcome. lunch. Now it's time for lunch. We're not having stew. And we're not having Cheetos. And we're not having Cheetos. <laughs> I guarantee it will be Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. That's, that's what we always have. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I hope that, I hope you enjoyed. I did. It's gross, but yes. 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 Thanks all for joining us. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.